what's going on ladies and gentlemen this is the cynical journalist i guess if you want to call me that or you can just call me ryan if you want to today i figured that i would talk to you about over sexualization i guess this is like the first ever time i'm doing this in front of a screen and talking about this shit and if you know me you know that i've been like paying close attention to this issue for a while man like i've read fucking way too many scientific articles <laughs> in regards to this in, in in my honest opinion so it, it's not like i'm uninformed on this i'm just not an expert and i definitely think there's some interesting takeaways i got from a lot of this and i thought i would share it with you now usually when i look at an issue i try to break things down into like you know what's the big idea here you know what are, what are we actually arguing for and where does it come from right a lot of history is actually really involved with the sexualization of our culture and i actually think that's really important to note i think a lot of people are kind of just like accept things this day and age without really like going back in time and kind of figuring out you know why why is this like this why is this the way it is today right because you'll notice a lot of the shit that flies in the modern day like if you compare it through history that shit doesn't fucking fly so it's really interesting to see how that kind of works but um i'm gonna be as fair as i can be i already have like implicit bias i'll let you know now i don't think that the sexualization of our culture is a good thing and i will explain why i feel that way but i'm also going to try and give you some reasons why other people tend to think that the sexualization of our culture is good and um i might refute some of those as we go through but you know we'll see right now I think it's really important when you're diving these issues, like I mentioned before, to go through history. So I think we're going to start there, right? So a lot of the sexualization of our culture actually stems from original movements that have happened before, um, mainly during the sexual liberation movement of the 60s to the 80s, which for all intents and purposes is, is a really good movement. Like there's a lot of really, really awesome things that came out of that movement. Uh, mainly like LGBT rights. If you know Harvey Milk, he's a perf uh, like personal hero of mine. He was very, very prevalent in the, that time frame. Did you know civil disobedience for gay rights, which was awesome, awesome. Unfortunately, he died. Uh, all my heroes are dead. <laughs> it's really fucked for me to laugh at, but you know what I mean, right? Now, now, the sexual revolutions have happened a few times throughout history, right? So it's not just the 60s or the 80s. There was another one in the 1920s during the roaring 20s um you know just a lot of money a lot of shit to go around so people you know they started being like they started questioning things a little bit more and they were like hey maybe we can fuck you know that kind of stuff and arguably like the first sexual revolution happened all the way back in rome during the roman empire right so they they allowed things like prostitution was legalized you know mankind's oldest profession was legalized which is prostitution bisexuality was kind of normalized and so was oddly enough pedastry so pedastry is is in my opinion a fancy word for pedophilia though i don't think that these like boys were like that young they were definitely young like don't get me wrong like they were lower than the age of what we consider modern day consent but it, i think it was more like 14 like epstein island kind of shit you know like i don't know if epstein had eight year olds but like <laughs> fuck man this is getting dark really fast all right, you know, all right let's move ahead all right so let's talk about the main sexual liberation movement which your feminist friend is probably very inclined to tell you a lot about and i'll say for the most part on the surface a lot of these ideas are really good right like this is the time where contraception became like a main thing like the pill right and the pill is so fucking important for human history so many people sell the pill short and it's like no 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 you don't even fucking understand how important that is it was critical for our development as human beings to be able to control reproduction right even like sci-fi authors back in the day were like terrified of overpopulation because they thought that w that's where society was going right like even a lot of isaac asimov stories they, they say like you know 
we were able to control the population and then we were able to do these amazing things because we were able to you know not rape the earth right so it was like a lot of really good things came from it um now pornography was like relatively normalized during this period too um before then it was kind of like yeah you had brothels and shit you could go to it was always like an underground thing but there was always like a market for that like that market really kind of never went away uh which is one of the arguments in favor of prostitution in this day and age um but pornography back then to pornography now is like so goddamn fucking different man like you you can't even compare like when pornography hit the internet it just became fucked uh but when we go back in the day you know you were looking at like mainly like images hugh hefner has playboy and you know playboy was like centerfold magazines and shit actually the first ever playboy i believe i i read this during my research the first ever playboy had uh marilyn monroe i don't know if it was like a centerfold thing but like had marilyn monroe in it right uh and yeah yeah like there were like a lot of smut stories kind of coming out in this time period like you know like heavy erotica kind of stuff and you know there were movies but what was weird to me is that you would go to like a theater to watch these <laughs> fucking porn and i just like i can't even picture myself sitting in a theater trying to like fucking get off while some other dude's just fucking like moaning in the back like some big fat motherfuckers like, oh, yeah. Like I like I literally can't even can't even fucking think about it, right? But this is also like the time frame where things like premarital sex is becoming a lot more common. As a matter of fact, actually, like uh, divorce rates skyrocketed during this time frame, uh, and marriage rates between uh, men's age to twenty to twenty four halved. So it's it's crazy statistics in regards to that. Um, masturbation was relatively normalized. Abortion was legalized in certain states and places. Um, also, there were alternative forms of relationship, like polygamy, right? So if you have multiple partners and like a consensual relationship, that stuff started becoming a little bit more apparent and happening a little bit more. Um, obviously, the LGBTQ plus movement kind of like really started picking up its pace during this time frame. And, and a lot of these like things, like as I mentioned, they sound super awesome. They sound great, right? Because it was this countercultural movement about freedom. And a lot of people fuck with that, even in this day and age. That like the concept of, of of freedom is so fucking important for a lot of us, unless you know you're in China, or Russia, or Iran, or a lot of other countries in the Middle East. <laughs> that, that that can go on and on. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that right now. Um. Now, let's talk about some interesting things about this because I think that even the staunchest supporters of the sexual liberation movement didn't see. What was going to come next in history and i've looked up this term and this term is not actually used very frequently so i'm going to give it the ryan chan stamp of maybe i created it maybe i didn't and i call it the commercialization of sex right so think about it this way you have the sexual liberation movement happen between the 60s and the 80s and during this time you have a lot of men and women who are kind of just like you know maybe we should rethink how you know we do things around sex right now a lot of this stuff is happening in the west in america a very heavy capitalist leaning country so what do the advertisers and marketers start thinking when the sexual liberation actually becomes grounded in reality, right? You look today and you get disgusted by like the corporate pandering during like Pride Month or the corporate pandering for Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. Same thing happened with the sexual revolution, right? All these major companies and stuff like that started advertising and marketing sex on a whole unseen level than it was ever before in human history because a lot of human history right it's surrounded with like religion religion w and law was mainly the things that governed sex for all of us right premarital pre sex is almost considered a sin in every single major world religion like i'm gonna go into that a little bit more later but like 
holy crap you know what i mean when, when you think about the commercialization of sex and like people talk about like oh the capitalists ruined this and this and it's like dude i actually could say like i think the capitalist system and the free market really like pornhub and stuff really really fucked up like our, our our sex lives and the perceptions of sex and intimacy like i think it really did a number on our society in my opinion and i think it's definitely worth noting that the commercialization of sex is ultimately not a good thing and a lot of my arguments against the over sexualization of our culture comes from how it was commercialized to us and and we're gonna get more into this in, in a little bit right so I, I do want to go over some of the people who say like the commercialization of sex was a good thing, right? So not not I'm not talking about the sexual liberation movement. We're not talking about whether that was good or bad because in my opinion it was good. I think the consequence of the commercialization of that movement is bad, and this is and and these are the arguments that you know I stand against. But these are these are what they I, I don't stand against all of them, but some of them are they make kind of sense right so one of the main arguments is that it creates a healthy environment for sex workers which is like you know that's kind of good generally speaking we want to take care of people um we want people to be safe but you know even that in in this day and age it's i i don't know if i can agree with that because it's like yes like it's safer for them like physically safer but i think a lot of porn stars and if you especially if you go look at these documentaries of these girls that were in porn and they got out of porn i watched a few before i made this and it's like it's like dude these girls are like literally borderline suicidal after they leave they're like absolutely like mentally fucked drug addicts like it like their their whole mental states start collapsing and and i think that's a really interesting point of, of to you know is it actually really a healthy environment for sex workers like yes it is physically it's cleaner right there's no std spreading around but there's this like whole aspect of health right health on your mental side and health on a physical side yeah it's healthy physically but is it healthy mentally for these girls and as long as you know they're agreeing to it it seems like it's okay but you know i know where i was at when i was 18 i'm 25 now and a lot of the shit i did at 18 that i justified in my head compared to like how i think of it now it's like whoa 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 ryan don't do that don't do that that was kind of fucked right so i just want you to think about that when when people start bringing up like the healthy environment for sex workers because <coughs> yeah fuck jesus christ i smoke too much but yeah definitely is physically healthier for them so that's a good thing right now it also allowed for new forms of sex workers this is things like only fans and porn hub creators uh which are very much along similar lines on the first one except it, it's arguably even better because now these people don't actually have to have sex like you can follow chicks who like just do like uh, what are, what are they called the joi jerk off instructions i think is what it is chicks who do that kind of stuff and you know some people make the argument maybe following the one chick instead of a whole bunch of other chicks is good that's up to you guys to decide i'm not gonna go too much into that i just generally think it's all wrong i've never paid for only fans definitely been on pornhub i don't know any guy who hasn't been on pornhub but you know after reading a lot of this stuff i've definitely limited my porn use because it's just like it scares me because uh, i'm gonna go into an article later about porn and intimacy and how it kind of fucks it for both men and women and you're gonna see that you know maybe there's something wrong with the commercialization of sex you know maybe there's something not so great about that now um this is a weird argument i've heard a lot some people say that if sex workers didn't exist there would be increased aggression from men 
Now, throughout the studies that I've reviewed, it doesn't seem like there's really enough sufficient evidence to support this. If anything, it's actually arguable that the status of porn as to where it is today is actually increasing these things, especially from people like fucking incels who probably watch porn in all honesty, and they're probably fucks with their head and thinking about sex so much, and they're like, I can't get a chick. It's like, dude, there's so many other things in life. Like, you'd be butt fuck ugly, but if you dedicated your entire fucking life to like something like and achieve something good for humanity that'd be great it's not all about sex you know what i mean that's just my fucking opinion maybe i'm wrong on that all right now one actually really good takeaway from this and this is also reflected in a study that we're going to go through later is that there was an increase in sexual language recently which basically means like we were able to talk about sex a lot more than we could in previous points in history sex was more of an open topic and when people are talking about real relationships and good relationships and they're comparing it with people with bad relationships sometimes this actually helps the people in bad relationships see what's good and get out of it sometimes it doesn't Sometimes it does work. It's kind of out in the air, but sexual language, generally speaking, statistically from this uh, article that we're going to go over later, it really does seem to indicate that the sexual language was good for intimacy, which is an important note on that, right? It's good not to treat sex like it's not some fringe topic, but it should be treated with a little bit more respect, in my opinion. Um, one other, Some other people say that it brings more acceptance to the LGBT community. Um, I, it depends where you are. I think in the West... And again, I like I have to preface everything and say it's my opinion. So it's like I'm not like saying this is fact because most things at the end of the day you cannot say are fact because most things are very subjective. Uh, but in my opinion, I think in the West, um, in in mainstream Western society, the LGBT community is relatively accepted, especially if you're in like bigger cities. Uh, so I would even make the argument that a lot of the oversexualization that we see uh, in the LGBT community actually goes to downplay them and fetishizes gay and trans people. And I have had a few conversations with trans people on Tinder and stuff. I just fucking outed myself. I don't even care. I've had a few fucking conversations with trans people on Tinder, and it's like they get really disgusted with like people comparing them to like sexual. Like they really feel objectified, and they don't like that because they're like we're human beings too, you know? Like we are people with our own beliefs and opinions and stuff like that and and I, I think a lot of people um really fetishize them as a result of the commercialization of sex and i think that that can be kind of dangerous sometimes uh, i'm not gonna go talk too much about the trans arguments and stuff like that because the, that actually is an area worth exploring more on a philosophical level but uh, that's not today's focus that can be its own focus one day now, this is, this is an actually way more interesting argument than I give it credit for, this next one. It says that people say that the onus goes to the individual. So the responsibility goes to the individual in society, how they perceive and interpret sexuality and sex, right? I think that for the most part, that, I, that as an idea is not terrible. My problem is humans are fucking stupid assuming that we have the responsibility like look at look at america as an example and i do like a lot about america I, I fuck with america but there's some there's some fucked up things happening in america right and i think it's like this is this is an example of true freedom is when you have all the freedom in the world right and you have all these people who are basically information slaves now right not knowledge slaves that's a different thing information and knowledge are two separate categories you have these people who are slaves to just this overloading of information they, they can't really derive knowledge from it you know what i mean and I think it's very apparent, and like to relate it to current trends or whatever, especially with like the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. I was going through CNN articles, reading through it, and nowhere in the CNN article does it mention that in the 48 hours after the uh, shooting of Jacob Blake was, they don't mention that 50 million dollars worth of damage was done. 
from the riots in 48 hours. Like, it, it, to me, it's like that information is there, but you can only get to that information if you went to alternative sources. CNN, like, I don't know if they intentionally left that out, if they just didn't know about it, if they didn't even care to think about it. But I mean, I would have thought that that would have been something worth looking up and talking about. You know what I mean? So it's only really like if you have the time and to go through all major news sources to try and like find the differences that you can find the real story. I feel like that's along the lines. It's like nowadays it's up to an individual to interpret sexuality and sex. It's like, uh, like, yes. But that can go in a lot of different ways. And I think there, like you have to be like a master of like sociology and psychology and all these other social science fields and, and philosophy on top of that. Like, let's not forget sex and intimacy and relationships is a philosophic topic. It is. And, and there's really interesting, amazing arguments, but not everyone is ready to just go into that stuff. It's very complicated. It's not it's not a super simple thing that you can actually just, you know, dive into and immediately come up with an absolute conclusion, in my opinion. That's why I'm very confused on this topic is because I'm like, well, we can see a lot of different aspects to it. And it's really hard to argue all of them at the same time. So it's like we should definitely hesitantly maybe take a step forward or a step backwards is in my opinion. I think that's how we have to appreciate like appreciate it. I would even also argue that the way that sexuality is marketed to us now doesn't really give us much of a choice, especially when you're kids, right? Like a lot of kids, um, I don't wanna to talk to you guys about like conspiracies, but like go look up Elsa Gate if you're ever interested in that, that's fucked. It's like a kid's YouTube channel like kids YouTube, you know how I'm like YouTube for kids? And it was like like low key, like really weird fucked up sex stuff that was being recommended to them. I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on over here, man? That's not okay, right? And I feel like even in just like in general, in kids shows, like there's always like that dirty adult joke that's in there somewhere and stuff like that. Um, and even the way that characters are designed or drawn, like in video games too, like look at all the fucking 12 year olds and playing Fortnite and then you, you go online and Pornhub's 2018, it's like fucking 18th most searched category is Fortnite. I'm like, I don't really think those are 40 year old men looking that up, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm like, those are 12 and 13 year olds with a fucking iPhone looking that shit. And then it's like, then you bring up the argument, can a 12 to 13 year old person really have the ability to interpret sexuality on at that young of an age right because when it comes to the age of consent we say no but the way you get on pornhub is you just click a button that says yeah i'm 18 yeah dude i'm old enough i can fucking shoot a gun can't drink but i can shoot a gun you know what i mean very very questionable very very questionable in my opinion right so that for the most part sums up a lot of the arguments that are in favor of the commercialization of our sexual culture um I refute most of them, not all of them, and I definitely think most of them are worth diving into a little bit more, but uh, I also put a segment out here because I did want to talk um, about the differences between major world religions and their attitudes towards sex because I thought that was interesting, right? Every major world religion has something to say about it, and I feel like if you're an agnostic person such as myself, I think that's kind of important, right? So let's just talk about some of the Abrahamic religions right away. So we're going to talk about Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Now, with these religions, they do usually see it as like 
when you're having sex with your and it's usually assumed that it's you know your marriage partner it's it's usually seen as the two of you are recreating the act of creation you're literally playing god in their eyes and that's why it's such a sacred and holy moment and and like play in like islam for example they don't necessarily think it shouldn't be pleasurable no one denies that it should be pleasurable but a lot of it is about being able to refrain from like that innate desire you have to fuck people so that you make it more special with this other individual that's kind of like the philosophy of like why they're against premarital sex is to increase the levels of intimacy and relationship bonding between married couples which i think is an interesting argument and because there's not so much of a sample size to really like look at that anymore it's kind of like a shame but i mean i mean i could probably go find a good mormon to talk about that shit with um now in christianity specifically in the new testament which is mainly the difference between that and judaism christianity doesn't like jesus never talks about sex he really doesn't talk about sex at all it, it, at least from what we understand about jesus in the new testament and i'm not talking about your you know your non-canonical gospels like the gospel according to thomas which is fucking fascinating if you're ever interested in that stuff it, it like that shit it doesn't say anything but the apostle paul does have something to say on it and i'm not going to quote him but i was reading and i'm going to quote a different person this is religious professor jennifer wright nust and she believes that paul framed desire as a force that good Christians could control, whereas non-Christians were enslaved by desire. And this is really interesting because, I mean, the way that she phrases that, she makes it seem like it's a God thing, right? But the Stoic philosophy is also very similar. Like when you're looking at the Stoics, the Stoics say, you know, you have to learn to control your impulses. You have to learn to control your desires. That is how an individual becomes a good man by being able to resist these things, right? Like they have the four pillars of stoicism and one of them is temperance, right? Like being able to resist and being able to say no sometimes. It's it's a tremendous exercise if you're ever like, Shit, is this good or is this bad? Just say no every now and then. Maybe say yes later, but just say no. It's a really interesting thought. Um, so it's not like that's necessarily a new idea. Um, now, now, Islam does say some pretty interesting things, um, and they, they, they even suggest that sex and marriage is a duty on, on a good practicing Muslim, because it's, you know, you, a lot, some, some elements of the Quran, if I recall correctly, believe that over, like, populating a lot of Muslims, um, through means of reproduction instead of conversion is a good and peaceful way to do it. And I think that's an interesting idea in terms of, like, a religious takeover. <laughs> Because all religions were trying to take over at some point or another, right? Uh, I think it's really interesting. But actually, I, so I'm going to say this for the chicks listening to this right now, if there are any. <laughs> you, you'll probably fuck with this. In one hadith, they even mention that a man should not leave the bed until the woman is satisfied. And you know what? I can actually back this fucking up with science. So if a man and a woman have a mutual orgasm, the chances of childbirth skyrocket in comparison to if only just the dude gets off really interesting really interesting that even islam will bring that up and and we have that as if reflected today in science right now in judaism um it's really kind of a lot of the same stuff although they're a little bit more stricter they see sex as like the holiest act one can do like holiest because you are playing god in, in their eyes right um but they also say some really weird things like any waste of semen is wrong sodomy is wrong uh, sodomy is just a fancy word for anal right and you know uh, maybe maybe not uh that's that's a tough one 
All right, let's talk Buddhism, okay? So these guys, uh, if you know anything about them, they pretty much reject pleasure in any shape, way, and form, which kind of goes back in line with Stoic philosophy, right? I think you can infer what their opinions are, are about this, um, especially since the Noble Eightfold Path says that one should neither be attached to nor crave sensual pleasure, which is uh, pretty interesting, and I definitely am disobeying that with my cigarette smoking. Uh, but it's also worth noting that this is like, it's not a divine mandate. It's more of an instruction. Uh, sorry, it's not It's not really an instruction. It's more of like, you can personally undertake it, but you don't need to, right? Also worth noting, Buddhist monks are not allowed to have sex. They must remain celibate. That is very, very important for, for their, for their um, path to nirvana. That's a thing. Uh, now, Hinduism, which everyone seems to think is like the sexually freakiest of all religions because of the Kama Sutra, Kinda, <laughs> in my opinion, because even these guys have thoughts on celibacy. Uh, they say that students should chastely advance themselves spiritually and educationally to prepare themselves for a life of furthering dharma, right? And they also believe sex outside of marriage is generally wrong. So it's like, wow, you know, <laughs> you're really starting to see a pattern here with all these religions. And I will tell you that the Kama Sutra, it, it's a it kind of important text in Hinduism, but it's more considered as a manual for sexual practices, codes, ethics, societal rules, that kind of stuff, more so than like actually being like you know you must do this it's more like this is what we think about this right Taoism. now Taoism. we're gonna this this one's actually really really interesting in my opinion uh one because they're one of the only religions that were like seemingly from my brief research totally chill with gay marriage as a matter of fact there is the Wei ming temple that they used to perform love ceremonies for gay couples which is like so far the only religion that's also okay with gay people Except nowadays, most uh, most new age people that are still religious are generally kind of chill with gay people. Um, they also have this weird thing with sex where they think sex is very similar to like alchemy. And alchemy, if you know what that is, it's like a precursor to modern day chemistry. Just instead of like, just like, you know, the actual science of it, it was implied that certain substances had a philosophic component to it. So these philosophic or symbolic component to it. So these things, when they were combined, would create something new. Which is actually weird because if you know who Aleister Crowley is, he says something really fucking similar. He believes in something called sexual magic, magic spelt with a K at the end instead of a C. And he's very much like, yeah, if you have a mutual orgasm with your partner and you're thinking about a thing, you can bring that thing to fruition. I was like, yo, you telling me right now that fucking magic is real? Holy fuck. I'm like... I would go and try it, but I'm kind of, like, done with the whole dating thing for a while and the f fucking hookups. It's just too much, bro. I'm doing these podcasts and these fucking editing and shit. It's like, I ain't got no fucking time for people. Straight up. <laughs> now, there is one exception to all these religions, and that is neo-paganism. Uh, but if you know anything about neo-paganism, you know that you cannot put neo-paganism as one broad category. It is very uh, important to note that these are separate, separate, different pagan ideologies, right? Um, and, and you can't really put them all together. But generally speaking, they do say things like it is kind of okay to have sex before marriage. But it's more about, you know, consent and doing things. And, you know, if you really go look at, like, a lot of different pagan... Um, what's it called archaeologist like archaeologists discovery of pagan cultures and stuff like that a lot there's like statues dedicated to fertility so again it's kind of like an implication that childbirth is integral to sex at least that's my opinion uh anyways i do think 
now that we're going to get past the religion aspect, you guys can tune back in now for those of you who are firmly atheists. We're going to talk about the psychology of sex because sex is a deeply psychological thing in my mind, right? So we talked about the spirituality. We talked about the history about it. And now we're actually going to talk about the psychology of it, which is fucking totally worth noting. Totally worth noting, right? Because obviously it's in, innate to us on like a biological level and our neurochemistry can reflect this to want to have sex because obviously procreation, right? But they also say that it serves as a passport to bonding, intimacy, pleasure, and even human growth and healing. At least this is according to a Psychology Today article, which usually Psychology Today articles, it depends on who wrote it to know if it's like good or bad, because sometimes they're <coughs> dog shit. Uh, now, they do say sexual desire is very, very important for human beings, especially as in our development, like developing sexuality the way we did as early humans, like prehistory kind of stuff. Uh, critical, right? Because, you know, back then, girls used to like guys with big muscles because guys with big muscles could take care of the kids and, and the dudes, like the chicks with the big boobies and the big booties because, you know, that was a sign of fertility, right? Like a very monkey, lizard brain kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Everyone knows when I talk lizard brain. I hope I hope you know what I mean when I say lizard brain. Eating fucking and violence, that's your lizard brain, right? Humans are some, capable of so much more. So when you're succumbing to those desires, I'm like, that's lizard brain right there. And, and everybody's got it. How much you can resist it, that's how good of a person I think you are, in my opinion. Right? But, you know, as, as history evolved, these, these desires and things that we sought for kind of changed. Like, how many chicks out there now, like, they don't really care what their guy looks like. Or even some of them are fetishizing, like, ski, like tall, skinny white guys like Pete Davidson and Kim K. Like, what the fuck is going on over there? You know what I mean? Like, all these guys fucking getting ripped at the gym. And a lot of girls are like... That's too muscular for me. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> too muscular for you? What? What? <laughs> like, what do you want? But it really just goes to show that everyone kind of has like their own interest in terms of like their partners and stuff. But one thing that seems to be universally significant and like apparent is that both men and women in this day and age really do kind of low key want an emotional connection more so than like the physical attributes of people. Um, that seems apparent, but I also think people fuck up with their lizard brain <laughs> a lot and they start like cheating and doing shit and ruin th ruining things that otherwise would have been, you know, pretty good. But, uh, you know, I digress. Right now, as I mentioned before, sex has like a biological and a neurological importance. Cause like, if you know anything about neurochemistry, it's like, you know, you fuck, uh, you're getting oxytocin, you're getting dopamine, you're getting all that fucking good shit, right? And oxytocin is the so-called love hormone and, I'm, and i was writing the story a while ago and i basically was talking about like this super manipulative sociopathic narcissist who basically he really just wanted to get girls to climax even if he didn't just so he can give the oxytocin in the brain and make him go crazy for him right and i was like writing a story about that because i was just learning about oxytocin at the time which i think you can like theoretically do but i don't think that's ethical in any shape way or form now, what's interesting about oxytocin and dopamine, especially in terms of intimacy, is that that shit does not only just come from sex, right? It doesn't just come from penetration or oral or any of the other sexual fetishes. Like, very intimate things that you might do with your partner, like touching, massaging, cuddling, those things also release oxytocin and dopamine, which is very worthwhile noting because a lot of people are like, yeah, it's just sex, bro. No, not true. Not true. That comes from other stuff, too. Uh, masturbation, I think, actually releases oxytocin in your brain. Uh, someone will have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure any orgasm will do that, which is kind of fucked, if you ask me. Uh, all right. 
All right, let's see what else we got here. Now, it is worth noting in terms of psychology that men do tend to be much more uh, visually stimulated than women uh, with their sexual desires, right? So guys see big boobies, big titties. It's just like, you know, the brains go kind of, like the brains go kind of monkey. It does seem to be a little different for women. They can like kind of stare at a hot guy and be like, yeah, he's hot, but like, what's he like? What's he, what's he want? Like, is this guy going to be like a good father to my kids versus dudes are just kind of like, boobs. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just I just fucking slandered the entire male race there. I'm sorry boys. I'm sorry I'm just trying to say it how I see it or how I fucking do it to be honest Maybe you're better than me in all honesty. Maybe you maybe you can not stare at tits You ever see you never you ever play those watch those videos of people playing those games where it's like the eye tractor thing or the eye the watch where your eyes looking at and then they'll do it with their girlfriend and they're trying so hard not to look at the ass or tits But they all fail every single one of them fucking fail. It's like yeah, you were gonna fucking fail, dude, because it's like boobies, <laughs> you know? Like, it's it's innate in your brain. Um, and for all you small tit girls out there, don't worry about it. We like any kind of tit. And if you're like me, you like no tits, too. <laughs> That's a little gay joke for you. All right, anyways, let's move on. Now, it's worth noting that uh, sex acts have changed significantly through human history. Even, even within, like, the last fucking 40, 50 years, sex acts have totally changed totally fucking changed brand new shit that we've actually basically almost never seen before like where the like where the fuck did furry come from right when people say bestiality i say no i don't think so i actually don't think so i think it's like i actually have my own theory about furries when i because i i was gonna do two super two separate videos about this originally one was gonna be about how um the over sexualization of our culture affects us and the important things to note about it. and then i was gonna do another one talking about porn just porn on its own because it's so in detail of a topic it is fucking complicated as shit especially when you're like comparing different like fetishes amongst like people's psychological states i would even make an argument that if you know someone's kinks and fetishes you can probably infer some things about those that person and their their psychological state i actually think you can do that i can't prove that you can do that but i think that that would definitely be something worth researching especially in the kink world because then you can actually have a justification for kink shaming right i don't think you if you piss on your partner i don't think that creates intimacy i don't think that creates oxytocin like maybe i'm wrong fucking hell maybe i'm wrong maybe it's totally fine um but something about that is i i don't know right so we've just varied very very differently from our sex acts right you know bondage gimp suits fucking dressing up cosplay bitches ahiago faces fucking hentai fucking stepsister i, I mean that one's probably humans are fucked I'd even argue stepsister incest shit. I think that's like, I think that's happened a lot through human history, especially if you look at royal family. So I'm not going to actually talk about that one. But like even like fucking sexual attraction to inanimate objects. It's like, where the fuck did all of this shit just come from? Because that shit didn't exist for most of human history. At least most of it, right? So you, you have to wonder these questions. It's like, well, why do we all have these weird fucking kinks now? Where do they come from? Is anyone else interested in that question? Where did the, where did the fucking cucks come from? That's what I want to know. Why are there cucks? I heard one dude make a fucking argument in favor of cuckoldom, and I was just like, dude, that's <laughs> so fucked. Get away from me. What is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like there's some really weird shit out there, right? And, and you know, I think it's definitely worth noting that psychologically speaking, as our sex lives evolved, some weird things have happened. Now, psychologists do say that these variants can be considered healthy 
in different ways, right? Apparently, they generally enhance relationships, but they also make it very important that any behavior that's compulsive, like compulsive masturbation or sex addiction, is just generally wrong and not good for you, like on a psychological level. It's very damaging to your neurological pathways in your brain and stuff like that. So, got to be careful of the compulsive sex addiction or, or just anything really compulsive. It's just generally speaking, not very good. Not very good. Cigarette, coffee, masturbating, sex, video games. It's just like you got to, you know, temperance, man. Self-control. It's good for you. It's good for you. All right. I prescribe it. It's a prescription. Dr. Chan. Dude, that's one thing that blows my mind one day. People are going to have to call me Mr. Chan one day. And I'm not ready for it, bro. I'm not ready for it. I've never been Mr. Chan. My dad. Or my granddad. That's Mr. Chan. Me? I'm not Mr. Chan. That's fucking weird, bro. This is super fucking weird. That's like my wife's last name or something. All right. What else do we got here? Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. So, one thing that's worth noting is, like, this didn't really happen too much in human history beforehand, but we have it a lot now. Uh, nowadays, a lot of men have, like, insecurities about their, like, performance. Because for some reason, when they're kids, they think they have to be, like, they have to instantly know how sex works. And then if you let that go on, you have a guy who, who fingers a chick like he's stuffing a turkey and not summoning a genie. You know what I mean? You only learn that shit through experience. But all these, like, virgin men, they kind of, like, come into it and think, yeah, I gotta stuff the turkey, bro. It's like, no, dude, this, it's not fucking Thanksgiving. It's not, I mean, you should give thanks, but it's not Thanksgiving, right? They're also pretty insecure, reportedly, about penis size and premature ejaculation. I'll be honest with you, I've never been shy about premature ejaculation. I, I always said you should take it as a compliment because usually... I'm fucked, and it's taking me way too long, but whatever. Anyways, that's its own thing. Um, penis size is weird, you know, because I think that is, I think a lot of men are very scared about that topic, and I think, I think I feel, I think I feel pretty bad for some who, who probably aren't that big, but, like, it seems that if you do talk to some chicks, and not, like, those stupid TikTok bitches that are, like, if he's under six inches, he's a midget, you know what I mean? Because you guys have probably seen, I don't, I'm not on TikTok, but, like, I've seen people, like, make fun of TikTok a lot on YouTube. And they're talking about, like, these chicks that will say, like, oh, if he's under six inches, he's, you know, whatever, super small, and you won't date him. And it's just, like, and then in the comment section, it'll be dudes making fun of her tit size, right? And then the chick is, like, you're, like, insulting my body. It's, like, what the fuck do you think you just did, dude? Don't fucking dish it out if you're not willing to receive it. Like, if you, you like, go ahead and make fun of dick sizes, but everyone has the right to fucking make fun of you. They should be able to make fun of your body as much as you want if you start making fun of other people's bodies. Like, if you're gonna fat shame and shit, like, you better be fucking fit. Like, you better be fucking fit. Because, like, I'm not saying it's good all around, but it's just, like, laws of karma, bro. You know what I mean? Karma hit that bitch like a fucking truck, dude. Fucking truck that lost control on the freeway. And I, I smiled. I did. Fuck that dumb. Fuck that dumb bitch. Asshole. Yeah, and I'm totally cool that you call me a bitch and asshole or whatever. I don't even fucking care. I had to get a sip of my fucking cold-ass coffee there. Oh, it's delicious. So good. So good. So good. All right. Um, I also wanted to say that I do think a lot of that male performance stuff actually comes uh, more from the commercialization of sex. Because as I mentioned before, you don't really see that happening so much throughout human history. Um, and I think that commercialization of sex and sex instead of intimacy, right? I, I And I, I really do think that is connected to one another. But, you know, that's just a hypothesis. I'm not a scientist. You can't fucking do a study and prove it. I mean, I, theoretically, I probably could. I'm just, I'm lazy as fuck. I'm not lazy. I just, I got a lot of shit going on, and that is not on my radar right now. 
Uh, it's also worth noting that most uh, scientific articles indicate that anxiety is a threat to performance for both men and women. And I would encourage you that if you have anxiety, try and find ways to calm it when you are with a partner. And definitely wait until you feel like you're ready, in my opinion. Um, I'm also, I found this amazing quote here. This is from a dude named Stephen A. Diamond. Uh, he's got a PhD in psychology. Uh, and before I read the quote, I do want to do a clarification for you. Uh, he does use the word daemonic. Now, daemonic, D-A-I-monic, does not mean demonic, which is D-E-monic. Very different things. Now, daemonic basically means uh, to represent an elemental force that contains an irrepressible drive sorry, towards individuation. Right? That's what daemonic means in this quote. Now, I quote him, and I say, Sex connects us not only with another being, but with our own being and our own humanity. Sex, like Eros. Eros is a, is a god, Greek god. Worth knowing. I'm pretty sure it's a Greek god. Could be wrong. Could be, could be a Roman god. One of those. Anyways. From which it draws its profound psychological and spiritual power is demonic. It reminds us of our intrinsic capacity to be involuntarily taken over at the moment of orgasm, to be possessed by passion, and to surrender control. End quote. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, fucking give a little clap around for that guy. Great quote. Worth noting. Incredibly worth noting. Now, it seems to indicate that a lot of this stuff is very concerning for people who engage in compulsive sex behaviors. And I think, like, people who engage in compulsive sex behaviors tend to spread that around a little bit. Uh, especially, like, let's hypothetically, and I'm not saying this is fact, but hypothetically, you take a dude who hasn't had a whole lot of sex and he starts dating a chick who has a whole lot of sex, it's like, you know, he might, he's, he's probably anxious as fuck, <laughs> that guy, and, you know, she might not be interested in him because she, he's not performing, like, she might actually have expectations for, for sex life, and shit like that, you know what I mean, and it's totally fucking worth noting that shit, anyways, uh, I just want to give you guys, before I go, because this thing is almost, it's 40 minutes now, we're almost at an hour, I don't want to be longer than an hour for you, I do want to talk about this study uh, called the uh, Oversexualization Among Emerging Adults Preliminary Associations with Romantic Attachment and Intimacy. And if you want to look it up yourself, this is in the Canadian Journal of Human Sexuality. You're probably going to hit a paywall to read this unless you are still in school, in which case you can probably go through it. And it's also worth noting that the study does have inherent flaws. All scientific articles usually have inherent flaws. So anyone who's like deriving facts in quotation marks from this shit usually doesn't understand that it's like, we can't really, we say that it strongly indicates, but it's usually hard to give an absolute yes or certainty. And that's where a lot of like anti-vaxxers, when they actually bring up legitimate scienti scientific articles in this matter, they're like, you can't prove it. So stop being so like super hard on it. It's like, well, it shows that it's more effective. And it's like, yeah, well, fuck you. Ivermectin shows it. And which is like from the research I've done low key. And I hate to do this to a lot of people. It's kind of true, but I'm not a scientist, so I chose not to do it, and I got the fucking vaccine because it was too much of an inconvenience for me otherwise. I did hold out for as long as I could, and I respected all the fucking protocols. I didn't see anybody or anything like that, but I definitely did hold out because I was like, yo, low-key, COVID was super sus, in my opinion. I was like, this shit just fucking came out of nowhere. What the fuck is going on? Mom, what's going on? <laughs> right? So, anyways, let's talk about this report. Actually, let's talk about the issues with this report. One, the report was done with about 600 people, uh, and there was a very large overrepresentation of heterosexual women in this. I think it was something like 80, 60 to 80% was heterosexual women. So uh, there, were de there were gay couples, but again, underrepresented, people of color underrepresented in this report. This report was originally done in Ottawa. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about hypersexualization, which is a term, right? So when we say over-sexualization, 
usually the general meaning of this word is that there's there's too much sex in the culture, right? But when we're talking about hypersexualization and oversexualization in this article, it actually does have a slightly different meaning. Hypersexualization is seen as the sexualization of people under the ages of 18. So anything that we experience from our culture, from like how we're raised, what media, what kind of media we're in taking, you know, exposure to porn at a super young age and stuff like that. All of that stuff um, is considered hypersexualization if you're under the age of 18. And oversexualization is studying what happened to those kind of like, from my understanding at least, Oversexualization is studying what happened to those individuals when they reached adulthood, right? After 18 plus, because they also make the argument that a lot of the ways that we shape our understanding of sexuality and intimacy comes from our pre-18 years of age understanding of things, right? So what does that mean when we go into the future and we're watching these previously sexualized, over uh, hypersexualized younger people hit this age of adulthood, how is that affecting the relationships? You know, why do so many relationships fail? Why are male virginity rates skyrocketing? Which all of those are true, by the way, that's happening a lot, but that's also been happening for a while, but it's getting worse and worse as time goes on, which is why I wanted to talk about this topic in particular, because I am low-key kind of afraid for the future of love, not, not just sex, love bro that's what scares me there's so much hatred and division in the world i don't think there's enough i don't think there's enough love i really don't and i think that terrifies me more than anything else that i talk about <laughs> there's not enough love to go around right it seems like that right just you know love people bro love them for maybe not who they are but like for the humanity which is cynical for me to say because most of the times i don't love people's humanity because i think that humanity is fucking cancer Anyways, I'm getting off track, man. I need someone to be here to just tell me. Every time I'm getting off track, just like, Ryan, stop it. And then I just get back to shit, all right? Um, so it's worth noting. So I'm going to read this like straight by the book here. The American Psychological Association in 2007 conducted an extensive review and defined youth sexualization or hypersexualization as including four components. Number one, a person's value is based solely on his or her sexual appeal or behavior. Number two, a cultural standard would that equates physical attractiveness with being sexy. Number three, sexual objectification, which is when a person is portrayed as an object for others' sexual use rather than regarded as an autonomous person. I'm going to go over that one after I go over this last one again because I think it's worth noting. Number four, sexuality is inappropriately imposed upon a person, right? So there's bringing examples. Uh, let's We'll start with the end. Sexuality as inappropriately imposed upon a person, right? A lot of kids these day and age, like I said, the Fortnite porn example I gave earlier, I feel like that's a great example. It's like they make these characters with huge hips and big tits and a kid just kind of like, he's he's hitting puberty. He's wondering, yo, my God, I woke up with a boner. What the fuck? You know what I mean? He's, he's starting to have that shit happen to him. And then he, he's getting a boner and he's looking at Fortnite and he's like, oh, whoop. I'm going to go on Pornhub and search this up, right? Uh, going back to the first point, a person's value is based solely on his or her sexual appeal or behavior, right? This whole, you know, this can go into like sexual market value. We can start talking about all that kind of stuff. But really what this is, is like, no, your value really isn't just your sexual appeal or behavior. And it really depends on me on how much, what you value most in life. Because people who value like love and relationships and fatherhood and parenthood uh, and marriage and all that stuff, and more so than everything else. Like, let's say, for example, they value that more than the longevity of the human race as a whole. It's like, no, 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 my ability to have a family triumphs that, right? I think those people are more susceptible to base their, a lot of things um, on their sexual appeal or behavior. Definitely think that's a, a component to that. 
Uh, number two, the cultural standard that equates physical attractiveness with being sexy. Yeah, there's a cultural standard that associates that. Dude, are you kidding me? Every single fucking like commercial with a hot chick, it's a hot chick for a reason. They're like, yo, what what do we get to fucking trigger the lizard brain, bro? And I'll be honest, like sometimes when I see a chick that's like super hot, I instantly think that they're really fucking stupid, and that turns me off. Because I have met like a lot of really hot chicks, and they're like dumb as a fucking brick wall, bro. And I'm like, I'm not, what is it, sapiosexual or something where you're attracted to intelligence? So it's like, dude, I would rather settle for like a 6 out of 10 who's like a fucking genius than a 10 out of 10 who's a fucking dumbass, bro. I can't, I can't, like, if I can't have a conversation with you, I'm not gonna date you. <laughs> I'm not gonna, let alone have kids with you. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I have a little different opinion on that because I, I do a little bit more research into, you know, other aspects of philosophy and culture. But I think as a general cultural norm, 100% agree with this. 100% agree with this. 100, yeah, absolutely. Now, number three was the really fucked up one, which is why I'm saving the best for last. The sexual objectification issue where an individual believes or that their body or their use and their usefulness to another person is entirely regarded around their ability to perform sexually is fucking awful on a like so many different levels bro like the autonomy of a human being is like if we're gonna compare this to like religion and shit that's god's will bro that's fucking god's will right there your autonomy as a human being your ability to choose and it's between sin and goodness and divinity right that that is what makes you human not your ability to suck a cock totally different things dude yeah maybe your ability to suck a cock will matter for your husband one day but i mean you should make fucking other decisions and notice that sex isn't fucking everything. It never was. It was just a means to further the human race early, like, a lot. But, like, you still needed hunters. You still needed people that could fucking help with conflict, right? And sex is not everything, man. I can't stress that enough. Sex is not everything, right? When you fetishize people, you're fetishizing them. You're over-sexualizing them. Dude, they're fucking human beings, bro. The fucking human beings have the capacity to do goodness and they have the capacity to do bad too. Just like you. Just like you. Big fucking surprise. You know what I mean? It, it drives me crazy, right? So the, I would even argue that a lot of people I know, a lot of people I know are very much like this. Very, very much like this. And it, it's, it terrifies me. It terrifies me for the future of, of uh, children, actually. More so than like their own mental health because if you fuck up early, you fucked up. But the kids is what scares me. I'm like terrified for other people's kids because it's usually a vicious cycle, right? A lot of this study is going to start talking about things where it's like, hey, dude, like if you have abandonment issues, you're more likely to, to be prone to the hypersexualization. Yeah, you're, you're more likely to kind of like base everything on your sexual appeal or behavior. You're more likely to portray yourself as an object for other sexual use and that's because you have like abandonment issues because your parents got divorced at a young age and that that's not universally but sometimes it's crazy psychological significance in the way that someone like grows up and develops you know what i mean it really fucks with how people perceive love and that's what scares me the most is like divorce rates continue to go up they continue to go up i'm just kind of being like yo Stop getting married so fucking fast. Marriage is not the next step in your relationship, dude. Marriage should be like a fucking commitment. Like, forever. No matter what, bro. Like, thick or thin, you know? Till death do us part. People treat marriage like it's the fucking next step in the relationship, and that terrifies the fucking piss out of me. Dude, like, if I got married lower than 25, like, now that I'm 25, I feel like I kind of know how important fucking marriage is but pre-25 if, if i had thoughts about that with like chicks and stuff i was like yo you are fucking stupid <laughs> you are fucking stupid my guy 
anyways, that was a little bit of a tangent. Again, I really need someone to stop me on that shit. All right. Now, this study was mainly interested in figuring out if the sexualization of our culture is associated with negative repercussions for young men and women in terms of intimacy, which is definitely worth noting. And surprise, uh, it does seem to indicate this. Although not all of it. This is where we get the sexual language thing that actually comes into play here, right? They also note that not much is known about the emerging adults as they integrate these messages of our current sexual culture into their construction of sexuality as they grow up, uh, which is like totally, to be fair, we're just discovering a lot of the shit now because we're living through it. Because humans always go, what can we do? Not what should we do? Jesus. And some important takeaways from this study. I'm not going to read the whole fucking thing because oh I'm going to be here for two hours. This was like a three hour read, just so you know. Three hours on one article for you guys. I love you all, but fuck you. <laughs> Adults high on attachment related anxiety have been found to evaluate the quality of their relationship based on the quality of their sexual relationship, which they equate with the feeling of being loved and esteemed. Holy fuck. <laughs> That's so bad. That's so bad. Dude, think about that. People, like, if you have a tat, like I mentioned before, like, the, the, the kids are divorced. It's a vicious cycle. And then they get in a relationship, and then they're evaluating the relationship based on their sexual relationship, which is not the same fucking thing. And then it, it just propagates. It's, I, like I mentioned, it's a vicious fucking cycle. Divorce rates will continue to go up with this as an implication, which means kids will then be subjected to it. It's like, oh, wow. Again, I'm inferring a lot of stuff off of that. Perhaps I am wrong. I certainly hope I am, because at the rate it's going, it's not looking too great, folks. Uh, also here, it says there's a great body of research that depicts intimacy as a sexual, uh, not sexual, central aspect of interpersonal relationships. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> they have the numbers to prove it, but it's like, I'm pretty sure almost everyone knew that beforehand. They also say that it is possible that exposure to sexually explicit images and stereotyped models influence one's construction of identity by suggesting ideals and norms to comply with i.e. the hypersexualized kids thinking about what, and then all of a sudden, actually, that's probably like a just explanation for furries, not justification, but an explanation for furry fandom. It's they probably watched some like anthropomorphic fucking animals when they were kids, and then they grew up, and then they were like, oh my fucking God, I'm a furry. <laughs> it's like, that to me, that's where that probably fucking came from, in my opinion. Could be wrong. Next point. Young women who have reported having compulsive sexuality, i.e. excessive masturbation, multiple and anonymous partners, excessive, excessive consumption of pornography, also report lower levels of romantic intimacy. Big f like, I'm not surprised. We have the numbers for that. That's actually referenced from a different scientific article. Uh, but yeah, uh, big fucking whoop. If you're going around and sucking different dudes' dicks every night, when you finally find the dude whose dick you want to suck, it's probably not going to be that special. You know, what? What? Did I just say that? I did just say that. Sexual language is not necessarily bad, as I mentioned before. And this is a quote. Studies suggest that individuals who are able to talk about their sex lives with others may perceive higher levels of relational intimacy. And I think that's interesting because it's like a whole, not like a competitive thing, but a comparison thing, right? Like you only really get to the bottom of a news story when you compare separate things and then you try to find the truth in that using, you know, critical thinking <laughs> so so sexual language does seem to be good so yay that's a good thing we we have a good thing out of this study also the results showed that overinvestment in sexualized appearance was associated with a lower level of perceived sexual intimacy mostly among women though not in the case of men which is interesting this indicates that a focus on one's sexual appearance may interfere with the subjective experience of being sexually close to one's intimate partner 
Now, so the, for chicks, when they're really, 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 really focused on their appearance, and not even, like, just being... Because you can be, like, beautiful and, like, not really focused on your, like, sexual appearance, right? And you can be, like, not beautiful. And, I mean... Right. <laughs> yeah, there's no way out of this one. There's no good way to talk talk myself out of that one. But like, generally speaking, the the point is, is like, if you're obsessed with your sexual appearance rather than who you are as a person, you when you're in a relationship, you're probably evaluating everything on a sexual level rather than evaluating everything on like a human level. You know, sexuality is just one component of humanity. It's not the by all end all. Yeah, it's probably one of the most amazing fucking feelings in the world, and that's probably why it's supposed to be reserved for marriage. But it's not the by all end all. It doesn't define humanity and it doesn't define who you are either, nor should it. That's a really important thing. I think people need to take away from this article. That That's like the thing is like we are sexual creatures, but sex does not define us. Sex does not define us at all. There's so many other things to humanity than just sex, which is the main thing that we need to remember and embrace about ourselves, right? Now, uh, I wrote a note next to this saying, this one is important in all caps. And this one says, sexual objectification was negatively related to recreational intimacy. No surprise. Suggesting that using one's body as a sexual object may contribute to the perception of lower levels of shared activities with one's intimate partner. Again, not very surprised. Lastly, the seductive attitude subskill was associated with lower level intimacy indicating that individuals who use seduction in their interpersonal relationships may be more likely to feel less emotionally intimate with their partner. I feel personally attacked on that one. Per <laughs> I No, it's, it's because I've always done that. I've, I've low-key, like, always just been, like, trying to be, like, a charmer. That was always, like, an aspect to myself that I tried to do. Uh, and I definitely felt, like, in, in almost every single one of my relationships, and I'm going way too personal for you guys, but I'm going to be personal with this because, like, fuck it, we might as well know. It was like all my past relationships, I had like, and maybe it's my manic depression, but I would have really high moments when I was with someone who was like, oh my God, like this is the love of my life. Like I'm going to marry this bitch. And then I'd be like, who is this person next to me in the bed? Who is this? And I've always been like, is that my manic depression? Or is that just me being like, you know, am, 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 is it just all with sexual objectification? Is that what it is? Is me using seduction in my general daily life to try and like do things is that where that comes from because i had like an ugly duckling story bro like i was fucking ugly as a kid um very effeminate young boy uh about fucking entered high school i was five foot flat i had like a justin bieber haircut i was one of the shortest kids in the grade right so i just i just never felt very you know i just never felt very attractive personally and I hated that stuff. I was like, I had a nice face. I knew that. But like the rest of me and, and like other qualities about myself was bad. And then as I grew up and I grew up, really, as I hit like fucking 12th grade, I hit six foot flat. Yeah, I know. Huge. Like a foot in high school. Crazy. I uh, hit six foot flat. I was like working out and swimming all the time. And it was like people were starting to notice me. Nothing had changed in me internally. But because of my external change that I had in society, that I, I think that I think that Loki kind of fucked me up a little bit. Not gonna lie to you, I think that kind of fucked me up when I think about it. Because it's like now I'm getting all this attention, and I, now I, now I'm gonna relate this to like the fucking fourteen year old Instagram chicks. It's like now I have all this attention because I am by societal standards attractive. Therefore, you know I'm always thinking on a sexual level, 
right? I'm not just thinking on those things. And that definitely fucked over so many of my relationships. It wasn't even funny. That's why that was another reason why I had to like take a huge break from relationships because I was like, what the fuck is going on in my own head, dude? Am I just insane? Am I just fucking crazy? Yeah, probably. So that was that's where a lot of that came from. And at least that's my own insight, my own take on that specific point. Now the next point, which I also wrote, this one is important too. Uh, this information is particularly important considering that emerging adulthood is a crucial development period with respect to the consolidation of identity and the formation of significant intimate relationships. As such, the extent to which young adults internalize sexual messages and norms can have profound and long-lasting effects on their perceptions of intimacy and their relationships. Yes. So, the indication of this study, especially from like reading this afterwards, it's like, yo, what the fuck is going to happen to the adults, right? Because if they're developing and the sexuality of what they're perceiving and all these over elements of over-sexualization in our culture is affecting them, how is this going to affect their identity and perceptions of intimacy in the future and thereby meaning relationship building and, and like, you know, marriage, <laughs> right? And, and kids and all that shit. Like, how the fuck... You know, it's, it's very it's very much concerning, and it should be concerning, uh, in my opinion. Uh, ooh, I have one with a personal note in here. It also appears that man's early sexual so socialization suggests that they should be sexually knowledgeable and skilled. Ryan note, I believe this will lead more men to use women for sex early to gain experience instead of actually being in love with them and having sex that way, further perpetuating the cycle. Also, porn ain't real, so stop watching it. Yeah, I guess my Ryan's note there kind of sums that one up pretty beautifully in my opinion. Uh, the next point, generally using the body as an instrument to elicit others' appreciation and to accede to personal and social success deprives it from its meaning, right? Your body <laughs> is not just defined by sex. <laughs> it's defined by like all these other elements, totally worth noting. It's not just sex, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just sex. We were sexualized way too young, but that's not everything there is. Next point, young adults who perceive sexuality as a respectful, meaningful, and intimate act within a committed relationship tended to subjectively experience higher degrees of intimacy in the romantic relationships. Conversely, young adults who preferred to engage in recreational sexuality or sex without commitment reported lower degrees of intimacy. These original findings suggest the valuing sexuality in the context of an intimate and committed relationship may lead to behaviors that foster the development of intimacy within the relationship, e.g. disclosing, listening, respect, both on a sexual and an emotional level. Alright, all this one is pretty much telling you is that if you actually treat sex like it's a very sacred act that is if you not even spiritually if you treat sex like it is an act of love not a drug right because a lot of people treat sex like it's a drug it's like oh when can i go fuck next when am i gonna get my next high right it's like yeah you're probably gonna treat it like a drug and it's probably gonna affect a lot of things when really it i mean it kind of is a drug but it's it's a drug that's meant you know it should be a love drug, right? It, it should be, you should only be doing it with someone that you think you could love. Someone that you think would be worthwhile to be in a committed relationship with, right? You shouldn't be fucking around, in other words. Study indicates, don't fuck around. Might not be good for your own mental health in the future, right? Now, the last important point is that, and everybody already knows this part, and this is more apparent with social media and the over-sexualization of social media, 
body dissatisfaction is associated with low degrees of sexual intimacy body dissatisfaction arguably comes from the media the media is fueled by the money you see what i'm getting at there it's almost like the monetization is, of, of sex is deeply not only affected our intimacy our love lives but also our self-esteem and our ability to feel fucking valued in society which leads to so many more issues like depression anxiety all this shit right it's like oh wow another instance of humans doing things that they can do not what they should do right it's like ah god jesus you know so so that that's the end of the main points that we got from this article and just to sum up everything that we've talked about so far fuck i pass the hour mark just to sum up everything that we've talked about so far in terms of negative side effects is number one overloading the neurotransmitters that are important in the development of healthy relationships is really really bad right it's really bad because when you get in a relationship you're chasing a high that you can't really necessarily get with that partner maybe because you've been doing it too much with other people arguably premarital sex is the same according to religion <laughs> two mental health and image bo body image issues right so think like body dysmorphia anxiety self-esteem eating disorders depression sexism even or early sexualization right all issues all issues Three, diminishing romantic attachments, right? When you're in a relationship and you're losing it. Four, intimacy, getting into a relationship and getting intimate with people. Five, relationship issues. I feel like I already said that, so I'm gonna do five of something else. Five, divides feminists over objectification by mainstream society versus sexual freedom. I think that's kind of interesting because if you actually look and talk to feminists, they're usually divided on the subject. One of them is like, yeah, our culture's over-sexualized. Over it doesn't give us enough credit. We need, you know, we deserve... Uh, not deserve, but, you know, people should be treated as people, right? I'm totally cool with that side of the argument. The other side, fuck you. <laughs> my body, my choice, sexuality is, is totally okay if I want to surround myself with the concept that I am a sexual creature by nature and that is the definitive aspect of my personality, then let that be. And to which I say, do you really just want to be known as a sexual object? Is that really what you want to make your entire existence based around because i don't think that's a good idea generally speaking most people when they look at pornhub content creators they don't think well i want to date her but i do want to fuck her if you want to be that person by all means go be that person but you should also definitely look up the horror stories that me and khalifa has definitely definitely worth noting that kind of shit all right <clears throat> uh narcissism is on the rise because of this especially for those who are either attractive or compulsively addicted to sex also, probably depression if you're compulsively addicted. It's also the objectification of both men and women. Uh, specifically with men, that happens more in the gay community, more so than the uh, female community. Chicks are really interested in effeminate guys lately, I've noticed. At least some of them are. At least the ones that I've met are seem to be interested in, like, relatively effeminate men. Like, Harry Styles and shit. And, like, I'd fuck me at Harry Styles, but, like, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Also, uh, second last point, confusion between sexual relationships and real relationships as if they are the same thing. Think about chicks who keep dating dumbasses and because they're getting, you know, the oxytocin in the brain from the sex that they have with them and maybe it's fucking amazing sex, they keep going back to these dumbasses and then they keeps breaking their hearts over and over again. Or chicks who do that to guys too, because that's not just a one-way street, that's both ways. It happens both ways. That's equality. Anyways, uh, the loss in the meaning of sex on a spiritual level is the last point, which I actually, that's a personal one I put in there. Like I've mentioned before, I'm, ag I'm agnostic. I'm not Catholic. I'm not any of those other religions, even though I was raised Catholic. But I think I, th I do believe in a degree of like spirituality, 
like full disclosure i i definitely have like the spiritual elements to myself um i definitely question a lot of things and i do actually think sex is a very holy act literally from like a philosophic standpoint I, i'm you know i've been trying to cure my own nihilism which is why i've been like doing so much research in in sex and like psychology and philosophy and stuff it's like i'm a very fucking nihilistic person and i'm very fucking cynical it's in my fucking name and i've been trying to get rid of it to be honest with you I've been trying to find, like, a form of meaning to give me this stuff. And I felt like, you know, a lot of the sex that I'd had in my life and the relationships, like, yeah, it has its highs and bottoms. But ultimately, you know, a lot of it did feel very meaningless. It did feel very meaningless. And it was very, very sad, at least in, when I reflected on it. So it's like, you know, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you feel, feel that way, too. Or at least I hope you don't. But some of you probably do. Now, uh, I'm going to finish this the way I would finish an essay for school. In conclusion, <laughs> little jokes for you fucking essay writers out there. The over-sexualization of our culture has more negatives for our society than it does positive ones. As someone who studies quite a bit of moral philosophy, I am quick, oh, not quick, but like I'm concerning condemning the over-sexualization of our culture to be morally wrong. I'm very close to it. I'm not there, but I'm very fucking close to it. You will, as I have, struggle to abandon certain elements of over-sexualized culture from your own life if you do agree with me and you think that the over-sexualization of our culture is wrong. For example, cutting pornography, which I am trying to do. It's, it's not easy. Really not easy. Especially if you're single. It's fucking hard. <laughs> uh, masturbation and social media, actually. I've cut off, too. Anyone who's posting pictures of their tits or ass, I kind of was like, see ya. Or, well, especially if it's, like, friends of mine. Um, I nuked them. Sorry, guys. If, if you're a friend of mine with big tits or, like, a fucking sexy body or something like that, or if we fucked before, I do mute you sometimes so you can still talk to me, but I won't be liking your posts because I just I don't want to see it, bro. I'm doing my homework. I don't want to see your tits when I'm doing my homework because then my lizard brain acts up, and then I stop doing my homework. Like, if I'm in the flow of writing and I get a notification, it's like, oh, God. Uh, well, Ryan, just put on Do Not Disturb, you fucking idiot. Sorry, I'm an idiot. <clears throat> Anyways. If you are also like me, uh, you will probably attempt your damn near best to prevent yourself from engaging in these behaviors if you do believe in the concept of love and the importance of marriage. If you do not share those values, then by fucking God, don't have kids. <laughs> that, that's, that's my official verdict. Um, I bid you all farewell, and please, 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 just be the best person that you fucking can. And just question things, man. Question your own beliefs. That's, that's how I grew to the point where I, I do this kind of shit now in my spare time it's just because i'm just always fucking asking questions i'm fucking annoying about it but i ask questions anyways guys that is the end i appreciate all of you for listening to this um i really hope you probably learned something from this stuff and uh i have no idea if i'm gonna do another one but uh we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see if there's any fucking feedback i might just do five and then fuck off as i usually do all right ladies and gentlemen that is the end i wish you all a great day and remember god loves you I'm joking. He probably doesn't. He doesn't love me. <laughs>